Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. If you please turn in your Bibles to Ruth this morning as we continue in our study of uh, Boaz and uh, start in uh, chapter two, Ruth chapter two. Difficult book to find, page 376. (laughs) Ought to find it for you. All right, Ruth chapter two. Um, All right. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, the family of Eli Melech, and his name was Boaz. Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She said unto her, go, my daughter. She went, came, gleaned in the field after the reapers. Her half was to light on a part of the field that belonged to Boaz, which was of the kindred of Eli Melech. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. They answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was over his reapers, whose damsel is this? Servant was set over the reapers, answered and said, Is the Moabitish damsel came back with the Naomi out of the country of Moab? She said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. And said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Go thou after them. Have not I charged the young man that they shall teach, touch thee, not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father, thy mother, the land of thy nativity, and are come into a people which thou Knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work. A full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So, we've been seeing here what God has been teaching us in these persons, in the person of Naomi, in the person of Ruth, and now especially in the person of Boaz. And we've seen how Boaz had provided so amply for Ruth, as it says. He provided for Ruth a family for her to belong into uh, when Boaz called her my daughter in verse 8. We saw how he provided for Ruth a place for Ruth to belong in when Boaz said to Ruth, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hens. We saw how Boaz provided for Ruth a group that she could become a part of when he said, abide here fast by my maidens in verse 8. 
And we saw how Boaz provided for Ruth the protection when Boaz said to Ruth, have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee in verse nine. And we saw how even he thought of water for her when he said to her, when thou art a thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. See all these provisions, provisions, provisions. They came from a very careful study that Boaz had made of Ruth's needs. And when Ruth saw how Boaz had studied her needs and had carefully taken note of them and how he provided for them one by one, this just overwhelmed Ruth. And in verse 10, Ruth then asked the question to Boaz. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me seeing I am a stranger? Clearly, she recognized that Boaz had carefully considered Ruth's needs. And in verse 10, Ruth had carefully considered how Boaz had carefully considered her. And so she asked him, why did you do this? Why did you carefully consider my needs, as she put it, that thou shouldst take knowledge of me? And it's the answer that Boaz gives to Ruth that's just amazing. Because it opens for us a window into the person of Boaz. Who is this Boaz? And the answer that Boaz gives to Ruth in verse 11, when it says, and Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people that thou knewest not heretofore. See, this window that's open to us into the person of Boaz really comes through with these words, it hath fully been showed me. And when we stop and we think about what was he saying? What was Boaz saying in those words, it hath, been, it hath fully been showed me? See, when Boaz said, it hath fully been showed me, that meant that there was only one reason why Boaz was fully showed Ruth's condition, and that's because Boaz wanted to know. Boaz wanted to know about Ruth's condition. Boaz wanted to know all about Ruth's condition. Boaz was a busy man. He was a businessman. He had a large agricultural operation going on. He had a large, he had a large operation to run, and frankly, Ruth was just not part of his agricultural operation. She wasn't. So when Boaz said, it hath fully been showed me, that means that Boaz was not just looking on his own interests. He wasn't just looking on his own concerns, but Boaz was looking on the interests and the concerns of Ruth. And Boaz had a lot of concerns in his life, and Boaz had this beautiful characteristic or attribute about him that he had an ability an ability to look beyond his own needs and his own, his own concerns, his own interests. And boy, what an ability. And oh, that we might have that ability. We might have that ability to look beyond our own interests, look beyond our own concerns. That is wonderful. Dave was mentioning here about the Wednesday night prayer meetings. And you know, that's a wonderful thing about the Wednesday night prayer meetings because we could name the Wednesday night prayer meetings 
the beyond meeting, the looking beyond meeting, because that's the time when we come with, in the middle of the week, when we've got a middle of the week, we've got a lot of our own concerns, we've got a lot of our own interests, it's in the middle of the week, and the middle of the week means that our own interests and the concerns and our worries have reached their highest point of amplification. I mean, that's right there. But right at the highest point of amplification, each one of us gather Wednesdays over there at 7 p.m., and we look beyond our own interests and our concerns, and we focus on the interests and the concerns of others that we pray for. That's why we could call that the looking beyond meeting or the beyond meeting, beyond our own interests, beyond our own concerns. And that's what we see in Boaz here when it says in verse 11, when he said, it had fully been showed me. See, Boaz had this sterling quality uh, to look beyond his own interests and concerns of others. This week I got a letter from one of our summer blitzers Evangeline, and, and she's working in the city of Baltimore. You can you take the, the placemat there, you can see a picture of her. Baltimore is one of the most hostile cities to Jewish evangelism. Baltimore is the home of the anti-missionary group called Jews for Judaism. And Evangeline is working right there in the middle of that city. We've had the police called a, a number of times to throw us out and the, the, the attorneys and oh, those are big fights. And, but Evangeline wrote me that she's praying for me. She says, because the devil must, she wrote, the devil must be attacking you in every way. And she, to encourage me, she said, there's over 100 college students and their families and friends praying for you and this outreach. <laughs> I was blown away. <laughs> all that she's doing, dealing with, and she's praying for me. <laughs> I mean, we've all been following carefully, week by week, the work of the summer blitzers as they face this constant slamming of doors in their face, the continual collecting and burning in the streets, like little celebrations of the literature that they leave, the SUV that tried to kill David, the gun that was pulled on Heidi, and all their struggles as they've passed, as you can see, the past 600,000 mark here for the doors knocked on. And then they hear, they're praying for me. <laughs> That's the ability of the Boaz head. Boaz had the ability to look beyond his own interests and concerns. And when Boaz said, it hath fully been showed me, that was just not one-time interest or concern for Ruth. That statement reflected in Boaz a frame of mind. It was a frame of mind. Boaz had this frame of mind that looked beyond his own interests and concerns, and he was concerned to others. Cheryl taught me this. If you don't believe it, she'd come over to my house. It's filled with things that she bought for other people. And sometimes she didn't even know who she was buying it for. She just bought it. And sometimes she'd go out shopping and she would do this routine of one for you, one for me, and one for, I'm not sure now, but somebody. <laughs> and she would buy sometimes because it was just nice. And, and, and it would be for some people, some person she had in mind. Or maybe, you know, she'll, she'll find the right person later. And uh, so our house got filled with all this stuff. And believe me, it's a full-time job just going through this archaeological dig. And, and I thought, oh, she never had the joy of giving this. Now it's my joy to give it away, you know. So Boaz may not have realized it, but there was a great benefit in his frame of mind of looking beyond himself to the interests and concerns of others. See, it was, it was his concern for others, and what that gave is that was a key to harmony 
He brought harmony within his group. See, when a top person, which Boaz was, uh, is concerned about others, it brings harmony to the group. And this harmony is seen in verse four, what we read here. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. See, Boaz came to the reapers and looked beyond his interest and his concerns and expressed his focus on their interests and their concerns when he prayed for them, the Lord be with you prayer. And the reapers did not answer with a, Yes, we need the Lord to be with us because this is hard work you've given us to do here. But he didn't do that. They didn't do that. No, the reapers turned around and they copied Boaz by looking beyond their interests and their concerns and they expressed that they were focused on Boaz's interests and concerns when they prayed the Lord bless thee prayer to him. And what's remarkable is how when Boaz looked on their interests and concerns for his reapers, his reapers reciprocated with their focus on his interests and concerns. That's a wonderful situation that develops because what that breeds is harmony and unity. Harmony is what is needed in any group, whether it's a soccer sports team, Aiken, or whether it's a church or whether it's a business. Hey, Tom? (laughs) Harmony builds and division destroys. And the key to harmony is when every person is always looking out for their, also looking out, I should say, also looking out for the concerns and interests of the others in the group. This is what I really appreciate about John Van Duzer at work. He has this tremendous capacity to ask people how they are and really mean it and then listen to them. And then he internalizes what they're saying and he responds back. You know, we need to ask ourselves the question. You know, when we ask a person, how are you? You know, the question is, do we really mean it? And do we really want to know? I mean, are we prepared to hear and receive from their heart to our heart? Or or could it be that when we ask somebody how they're doing, it, it could be something like this. So how are you? bad. I feel like killing myself. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we haven't heard. <laughs> when we ask a person how they are, we got to be ready to forget about anything else that's on our mind and listen to what they say. I learned this in Mexico. You know, here in the U.S., you're like, okay, let's do this. No, you don't do that in Mexico. In Mexico, it's first of all, good morning. How are you? And it's like, you have to stop and slow down and listen And then after you do that, you try to remember what you came there for, (laughs) and you can go on. It's very therapeutic. And so it's a most important question that we can ask a person. And by being concerned for others, Boaz generated this harmony in his group in this way. See, Boaz put the center of his attention outside of himself. See, Boaz put the center of his attention on others And when he did that, he put his intention on the group. And like a big glue, he glued the group together. And he made himself a member of the group. That creates harmony. But on the other hand, if Boaz had put the center of attention on himself, when Boaz would, then Boaz would be, what he would be doing is he would be breaking away from the group and stand opposed to the group And that creates discord, and that creates rivalry, and that breaks up the group. 
I mean, if you look at a group that's fallen into disharmony and fallen into division and fallen into fighting, you'll find that there's someone in the group that has focused his attention on himself, on his ideas, on his direction, on his feelings, on his understanding. As he promotes his way, he breaks up that group by breaking apart from the group and, and he criticizes others and the group then falls into disharmony. He misuses friendships to gain a higher position or he pushes others down so that he can raise himself up. He exalts himself at the expense of others. Now, I've seen two types of managers at work. One manager criticizes those who work beneath him, and he does it. Why? Out of fear that someone might rise up and take his position or get a higher position than he wants. So his strategy is to put down others. That's characteristic of an insecure, proud manager that promotes disunity in the group. And on the other hand, there's another manager that praises those who are beneath him, exalts their work, gives credit to to them, to their accomplishments, even to the point of esteeming others better than himself. And that's characteristic of a secure, humble manager that promotes unity in the group. Why? Why do groups fall into disharmony and break up? Because someone has centered the focus on himself and why he is different and he has lost the focus of Boaz which was to focus on others. By being focused on others, Boaz was building harmony within his group. But for Boaz to have done this, when Boaz to have set his focus on others, that required humility on the part of Boaz. See, for Boaz to have been so focused on Ruth's concerns as to just said, it hath fully been showed me, took a tremendous amount of humility for Boaz. I mean, this shows how Boaz was willing to empty himself. He was willing to empty himself of his own high position. This showed how Boaz was willing to not clutch his position, that he would be insulated from the problems of other people. What he was doing, he was willing to just let his position slip. Let his position slip from his grasp in order to care for the needs of others. And that took humility. The characteristic of pride is that its center is itself. Pride is self-centered. Pride makes self the center and breaks away from the group, standing opposed to the group, and brings discord. Pride is the source of disharmony. Just consider in Proverbs 6, which we're all familiar with, the six things that the Lord hates. Think about those not as six things like this, but six things like this how their consequence that starts off with one. These six, six, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, Proverbs 6, 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. First, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. See, first comes as its source, as its start, pride, a proud look, pride. And then from pride follows the lying tongue because it's okay for a self-centered, self-centered person to lie if he gets what he wants because self is the center of his interests. 
and, and hands that shed innocent blood. It's okay to be promoted by eliminating opposition. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. The wicked imaginations are the promotion of self. Feet that be swift in running to evil, which means no restraint because the, there's no consideration of how others might be hurt. False witness that speaketh lies because self-centeredness has its own reality. And it can pass a lie detector test. <laughs> and he that soweth discord among brethren because pride pushes itself away from the group and becomes critical of others and, shows dis- and sows discord among brethren. See, all of this happens from pride. Pride, which is self-centeredness, it's not being centered on others. And when Boaz said, it hath fully been showed me, this reveals how Boaz was centered on others and he created harmony in the group. The characteristic of humility is that its center is outside of itself. Humility is centered on others. Then, but harmony never happens unless a group is centered on a common focus or a common interest. See, if a, if a group says that they want to have a group just to be together, that never works. You know, the, the kumbaya groups don't last. They must have a common interest. You know, a bowling league exists because there's a common interest in bowling. And the central focus defines the group. For example, a bowling league, hey, I've got a common interest on, on bowling, that's the group, bowling league. A bereavement group has a common interest in, in overcoming bereavement. It's a bereavement group. But don't miss those very important word, when the words in verse 11, when Boaz says the word fully and all. Those are very important. Boaz answered in verse 11 and said unto her, it hath fully been showed me all thou hast done unto mother-in-law, etc. Those were very, very important words to understand Boaz. Because when he said fully and all, that meant that Boaz was intensely interested to the point of wanting to know everything from the person telling him, no, don't go, sit down, tell me everything. I want to know everything about Ruth. Boaz was a man of intense interest. And we can see that in the intense interest he took in Ruth's commitment to come, come to Israel, as Boaz put it, come to the Lord God. Boaz put it in verse 12, He calls, you came to the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. See, that intense, that's the fully and the all, part of the fully and the all. That intense interest of Boaz in seeing Ruth and God as the God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust, it reveals to us a second important principle. The more each individual in a group focuses on their common interest, the more unity and the more harmony there is in the group. See, the more each individual person in a bowling league is focused on bowling, the more united and harmonious the bowling group will be. See, the key to unity and harmony rests with each person's commitment and focus to the common interest. See, as a matter of fact, you can tell how much a group is united and how harmonious they are by how much when they are together, they talk about their common interest. And the same is true of Boaz's group. We can see the common interest that Boaz and his reapers shared in their conversation, their prayer uh, uh, between Boaz and, and his reapers in verse four. 
Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto his reapers, The Lord be with you. They answered, The Lord bless thee. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless thee. That's their conversation. That's their mutual prayers. See, that shows us that the common interest between Boaz and his reapers was the Lord. See? And we can gauge how harmonious and united Boaz was with his reapers by how much they talked about their common interest. And since that's all, they, that's, all that's recorded for us about their conversation, we understand that Boaz and his, their, his reapers were very united. They were very much together. And we can see that the common interest that, that Boaz had with Ruth in verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Again, the common interest between Boaz and Ruth that they both each had was the Lord. The Lord recompense thy work, the full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel. Boaz and Ruth had a common interest and that was the Lord. Therefore, there was unity and harmony between Boaz and Ruth. And this common interest of the Lord brought so much harmony, so much unity between Boaz and Ruth that explains to us why Boaz would come on so strong and step out on his first meeting and call Ruth my daughter. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. 